Welcome everyone, Dave DeBow, and our special presentation today, Profitable Investing in Crazy Expensive Markets. So it is my pleasure to, do, to introduce our two presenters for today. We've got Matthew and Ming from Volition Properties in the GTA in Toronto. And these gentlemen are definitely the real deal. They are active real estate entrepreneurs. They've been doing this for years. They're, they are investing in the GTA in Toronto. So they know all about crazy expensive markets. And it's not just passive investing. These gentlemen are active investors. In fact, Ming, if I'm not mistaken, you've got a real background in, in construction. So it's not just buying properties, it's renovating properties, fixing properties, maybe even building stuff from the ground up from time to time. Um, and, and plus, you guys are active realtors. Uh, you, you specialize a lot working with real estate investors who are looking to buy properties and revenue properties. And you guys have been teaching and training around real estate investing for a long time. You've got a very, very active group in Toronto. So uh, thank you so much for, for doing this presentation today. Oh, it's our, our, our pleasure to be here. You make us, make us sound really grand. I hope we can, uh, we can live are, up to that. <laughs> I think you both are grand. So you guys here, I'm going to let you take it away. You do your thing. I'll be here and I'll just turn my video off and mute myself and jump back on towards the end. Well, sounds good. So uh, let's dive into it. Uh, we were telling Dave just before we got started that basically we have, uh, this is typically a one day course that we teach uh, how to invest in a market like Toronto. Um, but we know, obviously, we don't have a whole day here, so we tried to whittle it down to one hour, just kind of taking the, the key components. Uh, so without further ado, let's, let's dive right into it. So who are we exactly? Uh, you know, as Dave mentioned, uh, what the, the overlying thing that we're trying to be is help people navigate the complex world of real estate investing, uh, especially in places where it's more difficult, like Toronto. Uh, you can't just simply buy and rent. Uh, that doesn't work. Uh, you have to be much more sophisticated uh, investor. So we look to provide a complete solution end to end. Uh, we're very heavy on research. Uh, as you'll see, we've got a lot of data. Uh, and then we take that data, we analyze it, and then we take it one step further and actually synthesize solutions that work against the data that we have. Um, that's, that's us in a nutshell. Uh, next page, please. So we are uh, investors ourselves, as Dave mentioned. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of holdings. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time, a bunch of awards. Uh, this is not to uh, impress you, but to impress upon you that we do come from an area of experience. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> just a little pat on, our, pat on the back ourselves. Uh, we've partnered up with HGTV recently. Uh, so right now, we, we, if you go to the real estate section of HGTV Canada, we're, we've got a bunch of articles up there. Four, four articles right now and a fifth one I just finished today. So uh, <laughs> you know, we'll have a fifth one up there soon. Yeah. Matt always likes to caveat that, you know, it, it, it caters to a certain audience. So they are very uh, picture heavy uh, and less uh, information heavy. But obviously that's why you come to, you know, meetups like Dave's to learn the actual information. Uh, but it's, it is, it's still more specifically there. More specifically, what I say is it's very fluffy. And even what it is that I, I, I write, uh, their editors whittle it down and, <laughs> you know, it's, it has to fit within 100 words. I was like, okay, could I really teach real estate in 100 words? But uh, that is kind of the premise of HGTV. But, uh, okay. 
Cool, let's keep going. So uh, next slide. Um, so this is how we work, because oftentimes people are like, okay, this sounds really interesting. How does Volition work? Uh, so the first part is advisory. We teach uh, real estate investing in crazy expensive markets like Toronto. Um, and then our core business is actually helping people uh, buy these properties. We are realtors. Uh, so if somebody is looking to buy an investment property in Toronto and the GTA, um, you know, we, we do that. Uh, obviously, we do regular stuff as well. It accounts for a big part of our work. Uh, and it's nice that you can take those expertise and apply it to uh, regular homes. Uh, but really, our specialty is that in, in finding cash flowing properties that allow development, properties that allow laneway suites, that kind of stuff within Toronto. Uh, second, is, as Dave uh, mentioned, uh, we have a whole renovation and design service branch. So, uh, you know, it, it's beyond just saying, hey, you can you could do your kitchen and bathroom here. We can actually come in and do it. Uh, so, you know, I, this morning I just gave a presentation on $800,000 renovation. Uh, main house plus laneway, massive uh, work that we're doing. So we're we're uh, we're we're accustomed to that level of of uh, renovations. Uh, we can take you from beginning to end in that uh, space. Uh, and lastly, we do leasing and property management. So uh, once you get the property beautifully renovated, now it's time to find the right tenants. We take that on for you as well. So this is us in a nutshell, little team here. Uh, let's flip to the next slide. We're hiring. <laughs> so every channel you see us on right now, we're mentioning this because we are really trying to uh, find two more people, uh, you know, who are who would be interested in working uh, with us. Uh, we're looking for realtors. Um, you know, we don't expect them to be investor experts. We know that this is a weird uh, niche, so we're happy to help out there. Uh, and lastly, this is our vision picture. <laughs> a lot of companies have vision statements, um, but we have this because when we started investing, it was, it's a messy maze uh, and a, a complicated maze too. And the and a maze that's different for every individual. Um, so we really try to be that eraser in your life and help get you uh, through the complex investing maze. Okay, good stuff. So the premise of what we're going to be talking about today is obviously how to, uh, why, but also how to invest in crazy expensive um, markets. We live in Toronto. We invest in Toronto. We help clients to invest in Toronto. So this is going to be tr very Toronto-centric, but a lot of these principles can be expanded to apply to uh, any, any expensive market. So the question you start off with, or the question that most of our clients start off with when they're approaching us, is they'll say, Toronto is so big. Where do you start? Like I hear, I hear Toronto is a good place to invest or, or um, you know, I, my, my buddy told me I should start investing. What, should, what do I do? Um, so we want to take a more systematic and a more, uh, we, want to, we want to apply a framework when we go about uh, approaching this question. So we're not just approaching it willy-nilly. Uh, we want to approach it in a very structured way. So the five most, we, how, where, how we start is we, we ask, what are the five most important questions um, when we're investing in Toronto? And the first question, I only try to fly through this as quickly as possible. Um, normally, we spend more time on this, but I, I'm just going to pull, pull out and list, uh, highlight some, some key points. Uh, question number one is, where is the economic growth in Toronto? So if you know anything about real estate investing, you'll understand that the economic fundamentals are the key component to what drives real estate. It's not you know, this other stuff. It's not interest rates, and it's not 
you know, whatever else you read in the media, um, it, it has to be underpinned by economic fundamentals and more specifically economic growth and GDP growth, uh, which leads to things like job growth and population growth and so on and so forth. Um, so when we look at Toronto, and for example, this is, this is a, um, a profile of Toronto that they employment survey they put out every year and in the fuller version of presentations, we've done this and we've gone all the way back to 20, 2014. Um, we don't need to, but the, we don't need to go through every single one. What you need to take away from this is where are the jobs? Where are the jobs in Toronto? And the answer is the jobs are in downtown Toronto. So downtown outpace, downtown's job um, numbers and job growth outpaces that of Toronto. Toronto outpaces that of Ontario and Ontario outpaces that of Canada in, uh, overall. So downtown is really where you need to start to focus. Um, why? It's because of this concept of return to the core. This article is a little bit dated, but the concept's still, still there. Even back then, they could see the writing on the wall. Uh, downtown is where the highly skilled, highly educated in the young population uh, is going to be. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of reasons why a lot of these companies are opening offices in downtown Toronto, uh, where traditionally they used to be outside Toronto. A good example uh, is, for example, TELUS. The TELUS building opened up in downtown Toronto because they saw the writing on the wall. And they saw where the future of their workforce, uh, where they were going to be. They were going to be in downtown Toronto. Uh, so they moved everyone from Scarborough to downtown Toronto. Okay. Um, some other interesting tidbits. Uh, downtown's population in about 20 years is projected to almost double from 240 to 475,000 people. Like that, that's, that's bonkers. Right, that's insane. Uh, that's an insane amount of growth. And you just take a look. Downtown accounts for half the GDP in all of all of Toronto, uh, a third of the jobs, and so on and so forth. But it's only three percent of the land area, and that's why the land itself is so valuable. Yeah, you know, it's 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 the land that's underneath the building is what's valuable and that's what go, goes up in value over time. Um, so scarcity of the land is a key component of why Toronto uh, works as well. Big tech, Microsoft, uh, Google, we, we've heard all this. Uh, big tech opening up major offices in, 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 in downtown. Um, yeah, so anyway, I'll let Ming take it from here. Yeah, you know, I hope... Um... Matt's point comes through. It's, it's a universal thing, right? Like if you're, I don't know, a Texas investor and you, you want to look at where is the major economic growth happening within Texas, right? Maybe it's Austin, I don't know. Um, but you're, you're looking at those drivers. For us, we're Canadian investors and that's why we, we end up focusing here because we could invest anywhere technically. And we, we have actually invested all over the country. Um, but when we start to will it back down to these uh, fundamentals, this is where we ended up. So one of the things we like to do uh, at Volition is, uh, you know, I, I spent uh, many years as part of RAID and so did Matt and uh, one of our mentors there, um, you know, uh, Don Campbell, he loves to look beyond the headlines. Uh, that's one of his things. It's definitely one of the teachings I think we both take to heart. So when we look at the, 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 the data behind um, where pricing and economic growth is happening, we like to take our own lens to it and gather our own data so we can write our own headlines. Um, so what we did is we actually look at, uh, we, we, we captured data, postal code by postal code, 
throughout the GTA. Uh, and we look at what's called the home price index. So we're looking at like for like properties. What that is, is let's say it's a two bedroom condo, for example, it tracks the price of a two bedroom condo month over month versus looking at averages because averages don't tell us very much. Uh, an average home sale price, if there's lots of activity in the condo market, the average home sale price will be lower because condos are cheaper. If there's lots of activity at the high end of the market in you know, $3 million homes, average home sale price is gonna be higher, but what does that actually mean by your, about your individual property? So that's why we like to look at better metrics like the home price index. So next slide, please. So when we look through the downtown core, uh, what we see then, uh, so these are all the trend neighborhoods and that's basically how, we, uh, how our data is segregated. So if we go to the next slide. And this is what we're seeing. Um, you know, everybody had talked about sort of this downturn happening through 2017. And yes, there was a little bit of a, a downturn through 2017 in the, in the local market here. Um, but the fundamentals have supported a very strong market in this uh, downtown detached properties. Um, it has remained consistent and continued to grow kind of explosively through, through 2021, but has continued to grow um, uh, in these neighborhoods. If we look at downtown condos, which is the next slide, we see something similar. Uh, there was a, definitely an impact from things like COVID. Um, COVID itself not impacting uh, the market as much as people looking for more space. But you've seen that, as you'll see at the data here, that the, the market has completely turned back uh, around in downtown condos now, especially as we're starting to reopen and people are looking to get back into the Toronto market so that way they can be close to their jobs again. Next slide, please. And then when we contrast this to the other neighborhoods, we see something very different. Um, and this is why people say real estate is hyper-local. So let's look at you know, Vaughan's, Richmond Hills, even the outskirts of Toronto, Willowdale's, some of those kind of neighborhoods. And it's a very different story. Uh, this is single family detached and you'll see it did peak through 2017, uh, but then it was down through most of 2018, 2019, 2020. So when you were seeing Toronto average prices uh, it was really a tale of two cities where you were seeing, um, you know, downtown uh, continue to grow and expand uh, in price, but uptown not growing at nearly the same sort of rate. Uh, so that's why it's really important, not, not just to be an expert in whatever your city you're investing in, but an expert within the neighborhoods within that city. Um, but yeah, through 2021, also explosive growth uh, in single family detached homes. Uh, and then let's go to the next slide. Right. So one of the questions we got a lot of uh, through COVID, uh, like why were we seeing continued growth within Toronto, uh, you know, through the pandemic, um, when, you know, when there was all this talk about people leaving major cities. So we did two things. We don't have a slide on this, but we looked at the, the data behind rental, uh, rent, rents within the city out of postal code by postal code level. And what it actually showed us was people weren't moving out of the city, but they were moving within the city to more space. Because what we were seeing was a massive decline in rents in those small studio condominiums right in the financial district. Um, but people were moving one postal code over, two postal codes over, zip codes for, for US folks. Um, and they were just looking for more space. And understandably, if you're stuck in lockdown, uh, you're going to try to get more space and you're willing to, to move to get that. 
but you may not want to leave all the amenities of the city that, that you like. Um, so we weren't seeing much of a drop in rents. And also because um, of the kind of impact COVID had, uh, unfortunately, it, it was very um, impactful to blue collar, uh, blue collar workers and blue collar economy. And to be quite blunt, that was never the Toronto buyer to begin with. Homes have, are expensive here and they have been expensive for a very long time. Um, they may potentially be your rent profile, but people who are buying homes, especially within the city, are all quite well-heeled, uh, typically white-collar workers. And there was actually job growth happening during, uh, throughout the uh, pandemic in, in uh, white-collar jobs. Cool. So that leads us, yeah, leads us to our next question. Who, who are the customers for my business? So make no mistake, as real estate investors, we're running a business. Um, so we need to be thinking about who we're targeting. And the customers for our business are obviously our renters. And who are, the question is, who are our renters? Um, who, with the Volition business model focused in Toronto, and more specifically downtown Toronto, we target a professional millennial. And I'm going to extend the, the, the uh, definition of millennial to also include Gen Z, because the oldest of the Gen Zs are starting to come up uh, through the ranks now. Um, why? They, millennials, and now Gen Z, um, they, are, they are the largest demographic to, to come through since the baby boomers. Uh, they have changed the face of... Uh, well, the baby boomers changed the face of almost every industry uh, and millennials are starting to come do the same. So they're, they're the largest rental cohort uh, that you're going to be uh, addressing. And you want to be very specific on who you want to target within that cohort. So who we've targeted are responsible, university educated, um, you know, well, uh, people with well-employed, uh, with well-paying jobs, employed in a, in, in a, uh, professional capacity, white collar. Um, these people are, you know, they're quite frankly, the best tenant profile. Uh, they take yeah. care of their places and, and uh, they, they, they like nice places and they're willing to pay for it. Sorry, Ming, you're saying. No, I, I actually think I, I, I lumped Matt with my slide. <laughs> so I was just looking at this, I was like, oh, avocado toast. I think I'm, uh, that was uh, me supposed to speak to this. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, we, we, you know, poking fun at, at millennials with their avocado toast. But um, uh, Matt, Matt's exactly correct. Like a lot of times people are looking at the property and then figuring out the tenant. And that's the wrong way to do it. Um, as a business model, it, you know, as a business, you don't design the product and then figure out who you're going to sell it to, right? You, you're trying to figure out what is your customer, what do they need, and how can you fill that before you go and create a product? And, and investing is no different. So in the later section, we actually talk about how we take a risk-based approach to figuring out what the best tenant profile is to, you know, like this is a day-long seminar, but so to cut it down, the answer is uh, millennials, Gen Z, basically people in their early 20s, mid 20s to kind of uh, early 30s is what we're looking for. Um, you know, they are, uh, if you sl uh, flip to the next slide, we did a bunch of research on these people. So uh, if we want this tenant profile, where do they want to live, right? Instead of I'm buying here and then trying to find this tenant profile. So let's work backwards. 
uh, if we want a millennial, they want live, work, play neighborhoods. In Toronto, they don't want any more than a 35 minute commute to their jobs. If we, they start going past 35 minutes, they rather live in a smaller place closer um, than have to have a longer commute time. Very different from my generation. Uh, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. Commuting was like part of our thing. And um, this is one of the differences we see with this generation. They're, they're less tolerant of a long commute. Um, you know, jobs, professionals, tech, finance, healthcare, they're knowledge workers. Uh, this was also really key during the pandemic for us. Uh, I'd love to say it was our, you know, our brilliant intuition, but we, we did luck out a bit here in that our tenant profiles are all knowledge workers. So when May 1st came along and, you know, there was a moratorium on rents and, you know, you couldn't kick people out anymore. Uh, out of the almost three or 400, maybe 500 units that our investors represent now, um, we only had one person who was not able to pay their rents. Um, and it's primarily because they were knowledge workers. So their jobs all remain the same. And they just, instead of going to the office, they stayed at home. Um, so that was really key for us. Uh, next uh, slide, please. Uh, so as I mentioned, what kind of properties do they uh, want to live in? They want nice places, um, good finishes, uh, you know, stainless steel, Wi-Fi is super important, especially now with working from home. Another thing I'd add on to this is work from home spaces. You know, those tiny, uh, you know, studio apartments or awful basements just don't work anymore. And they won't work for a while, even after the pandemic is long gone, because trust me, people are not going to forget about being stuck in their home day after day after day. Um, so even if they have to go into the office, even that becomes a regular thing for them, they're going to want dedicated work from home spaces uh, and outdoor spaces. So that becomes very important for this uh, demographic. Uh, next slide. Yeah, that's that's the end. Actually, the thanks for the thanks for you're right. Uh, you were supposed to do this section. <laughs> so my apologies uh, for hijacking you. But actually, there's one thing I just want to call out. And again, this is because we're local to Toronto. We're local to Ontario. Uh, one of the things that um, just flipping back, uh, one of the things very very important to us is this last point here. This tenant profile is inherently transient meaning that they're not going to stick around forever. Uh, these guys are, you know, in their 20-somethings. They want a nice place to live now, but they're going to move on uh, eventually. And typically, they don't stay longer than 18 to 24 months. Um, why this is important? In Ontario, specifically, this is why it's important to be an expert in your jurisdiction or your area. In Ontario, specifically, uh, we have very draconian uh, landlord-tenant laws that are heavily favored towards the tenant meaning that we can only raise rent by a certain predetermined um, uh, percentage every year according to the schedule that the Ontario, uh, that the province of Ontario um, releases every year. So that's like 1.8%, 2%, 0%. So in a place like Toronto, the problem that this creates is that rents street rents or market rents start going through the roof, uh, which, you know, rising at uh, anywhere from five to 10% per year. Uh, and if you're stuck in a very limited uh, uh, capacity or ability to raise rents, um, you're going to start falling behind and you're not going to be able to, to maximize uh, the usage of your property because you can't charge highest rents until tenant turnover. So the question remains, then how do you get those higher rents? 
And this is where you start hearing about things like renovictions and, you know, these big tenant um, advocacy groups start, start getting involved. We bypass all of that by just focusing on a inherently transient tenant profile right from the get-go. Yeah. And this goes back, you'll see, it says, uh, we'll talk about it in the time section. It's an area that we have uh, identified all the major risks. Uh, in investing and how to create, come up with risk mitigation strategies. So that'll be a little later on in the presentation. Cool. Uh, I think we need to speed up, Ming. So <laughs> yeah. I know, the I time. looked at the time. Okay, uh, question three. So again, this is a full day seminar. So uh, full day masterclass. Question three, who are the buyers and where are they buying? These young people um, who were renters, typically wanted to live in downtown Toronto. But as they start growing up, um, they start getting married, they start having kids, where do they go? I can tell you where they're not going. They're not moving out to the burbs anymore. I mean, uh, let, let's just say uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, they weren't moving out to the burbs anymore uh, because their life was in downtown Toronto. They had established their life, um, all the amenities, all the places that they go out to eat, um, all their friends close to work. Um, so what do they do? They purchase homes in residential areas in proximity to downtown Toronto. And what that really was, was the annex, Little Italy, Trinity Bellwoods, Riverdale, Leslieville for Toronto. And what they're doing is they're buying these old grandma homes and fixing them up. So tons of gentrification and renovations are happening in these areas um, so that they can still stick uh, and live in the areas that they were most accustomed to. Um, and then, you know, part of the part of the new trend was uh, also putting in basement suites as uh, as as mortgage helpers so that they could afford these uh, really expensive homes in downtown Toronto. Um, so that's all to say, this is all in an effort to demonstrate why downtown Toronto is really in Toronto is the place to invest. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, often we get asked like, why are you even looking at really expensive markets? And this is a, this is a big reason why we're, you know, cause we actually have invested in places like Edmonton and Hamilton and stuff like that before. So this is, this is the reasoning behind our thought process. Uh, so next, uh, next slide, what type of asset should I buy? So if you're, you know, a not very sophisticated investor, you think in Toronto, the first thing that comes to mind is a condo. Um, but I know Dave's audience, you guys aren't newbie investors. You're a little more sophisticated than that. Uh, obviously, condo does not cash flow, right? Uh, certain pre-con construction projects occasionally make sense uh, because you can cash flow upon acquisition, but that they're few and far between. And we haven't had really one that may have made sense in about a year and a half now. Um, also, that's not where property values go up, right? Uh, we all know that the value of the property is not in the building itself, but the land underneath it. So if you go to the next slide, we want to get into the houses, right? That has, you know, instead of fractional land ownership, we want to get into full land ownership. So this is not new news to anybody here. Uh, but the question is how, how do you do that in a city that's so expensive when, um, you know, when properties themselves are so expensive? So next slide, please. Okay, cool. So the, what is the question that we, we also get is what is the single most desirable feature that will help me determine where to buy? And so this will now illustrate um, and answer some of your questions. 
so this is a map of Toronto, right? And this is my rudimentary Microsoft paint skills uh, that illustrate <laughs> where all the transit lines are. So the transit lines, transit, transit is the answer. Transit is the most single most desirable feature uh, to help you determine where to buy. And in fact, rewind, I don't know, a month or a month and a half, uh, we, we actually delivered a presentation on Toronto's next hottest neighborhood. And it was heavily based on future transit stations, just to drive home that point. So here are all the transit lines in Toronto. And so this is, you know, again, uh, Ming and I uh, came up through the ranks uh, through Rain. a lot of respect for Rain, And Rain uh, used to uh, release a report on transportation and the transportation effects. Uh, it is, literally the single most important thing uh, to, to look for when, when looking at where to invest. So um, that's worth a read if, you, um, if you're interested in Toronto, but uh, I mapped it out here for you. And, and this now becomes the Rosetta Stone or, or investment heat map around where to invest. Um, these, if you know Toronto, you'll know that these areas and dollar signs are super expensive anywhere from like Forest Hill to Leaside, um, down through Yorkville. Um, it's like some of these places just don't make any sense, right? Um, even though they're on transit lines. So transit is not the only answer. It's one key component of, of where, to, uh, where to invest. The best places to invest end up being uh, where we have in red. So west side of Toronto, east side of Toronto, around transit lines, dedicated transit lines, um, you know, this includes Annex and Little Italy and Trinity Bellwoods over here is, is your Leslieville's and East York. Um, so how does COVID impact where and what you should buy? Sorry, I, I normally spend more time on this, but just in the interest of time, I'm trying to get through this. Um, people will be back in the office after COVID, but they won't be back to usual. So I mean, as Ming, Ming's already kind of touched upon this. So when you're thinking about where and what to buy, uh, we need to start thinking, expanding our criteria and broaden our thinking a little bit in terms of what is it that our renters want. They've already they've already told us because we're so active in the market. Our, we hear boots on the ground from prospective tenants what they're looking for. Some of the highlights: they still want access to public transit uh, because. Um, they don't have cars and, uh, and they're not planning to have cars. So access to transit and ride sharing is, is still important. Access to the outdoors and access to um, outdoor space. So that, that thing, that those things could be patios, it could be backyards, uh, but they want to be able to have outdoor space to have a few friends over if they can't necessarily have those friends inside. Um, access to more space uh, being like more square footage and de more dedicated home office space as well. The office nook, uh, maybe an actual office uh, or a den, uh, something to that effect where someone can, can uh, comfortably work from home. Cool. Let's keep going. All right. Okay. So this is how we look at investing uh, as opposed to just looking at, hey, what are the financials are? What's the return? Looking, you know, because I, I worked in finance for many years, looking at what is the risk and how do we develop a risk-based approach to our investing? So it comes up, you know, turns into a nice little acronym, which we like to use. So if you want to skip down two slides, Matt, uh, it works out to time, right? So time, uh, one more slide. 
Sorry. Uh, so it uh, works up to time, the acronym. Uh, and these are the major four areas of risks that we see. So T, tenant risk, that's the risk of getting a bad tenant. And also the risk that the, you know, the framework that we have to work around. Uh, Matt mentioned, we have a laws in Ontario that are very tenant friendly. So the risk of a tenant is much higher here because if we get a bad tenant, it's very hard to kick, kick them out. Next one is investor risk. That's the risk that you bring, right? If you're a knowledgeable investor, your risk is lower. Uh, and hopefully you're listening to podcasts, you know, like Dave's podcast, uh, you're getting yourself educated, you know, come out to our meetups too, but get yourself as educated as you can to mitigate that risk. The other one's market risk. We talked a lot about how to mitigate market risk by making sure you're buying in areas of economic growth. Uh, and the last one's estate risk. And this is inherent to the property, you know, the exact location, the kind of property you're buying. You know, if you want to do a uh, triplex plus laneway, there's risk around being able to do that on the individual property. So this is basically the four major areas that we're looking at. So the first one we're going to touch on, if you go to the next slide, is tenant risk. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, this is, uh, this is basically how we see Ontario's particular tenant risk. It's the most uh, risky part. And our whole business model it shifts and becomes a lot more focused on finding great tenants. This could be very different if you're investing in, let's say, Alberta, right, uh, where laws are a little more tenant friendly. Tenant risk isn't going to be as uh, difficult. So make sure that you're balancing what your risk mitigation plans are for your particular market. So let's go to the next slide. Yeah, so as I said, uh, tenant risks, uh, we target millennials because for us, they're the less risky. And we also, we already touched on the transient part. We actually want them moving every, uh, you know, year, year and a half, two years. Next slide. Next one's investor risk. Uh, you know, I won't go too much into this, but get yourself educated. Uh, that is the most important thing because uh, an, un an uneducated investor brings a lot of their own risk. The other thing is to establish a team. Uh, you know, I have the super friends here because, you know, really, you, you're, you are the CEO of a company and no CEO would try to do everything themselves. They have to become experts at their business. So you have to become experts investors. But you want to have, you know, the best investor real estate agent, the best investor focused um, you know, lawyer, accountant. Uh, if you want to understand JVing, because that's part of your strategy, you want to be talking to Dave. So you have, you know, the best person to be able to help you out in that area. Um, so it's very important to get hire the best. That is your team. Those are your employees, essentially. Next slide. Market risk. You know, we, we touched on this uh, quickly already, uh, but this is basically, we want a diverse economy, no single, uh, no, you know, no single jobs, uh, sorry, single uh, industries. We're looking for diverse uh, job growth across multiple different types of uh, industries. Uh, no, next slide. Uh, places that are popular for immigration, right? We know uh, today that 35% of all immigrants that come to Canada end up settling in the GTA. Um, that's incredible, especially because we're talking about 400,000 people coming into the city, uh, coming into Canada once we open our doors uh, up, you know, after the pandemic's done. Um, that's, you know, that's going to be population growth. That means lower vacancy rates. That means, uh, you know, uh, lower caps, which is great once you acquire properties. Uh, let's hit the, the next slide then. The last one's actually the estate risk itself. So, uh, are you buying the right investment property? Because vast majority don't 
work, right? Just like, you know, people think pre-con uh, as a way to get into the market. Yes, but when we do our analysis, one hasn't worked for a year and a half, right? We're, we're, our bar is very high on what actually makes sense as an investment property and so should yours, right? You should be writing 10 deals for every one deal that you actually do um, because your bar should be high on, on what actually works. Um, you know, and here we say you can't just say Toronto, you have to be specific. You can't say any market, you know, Edmonton, Hamilton, you know, uh, if you're in California, LA, like it's no good. Uh, the cities are so diverse and you have to be a neighborhood by neighborhood expert. Um, next, uh, next slide. Uh, and really one of the things we'll talk about later when we get into cash flow and how it, how it works in the city is uh, some of these other points. So things that are important in neighborhood gentrification, uh, transit, infrastructure, tenant profiles, you know, these are all things, if you're looking to do development, what side setback requirements, laneway access, minimum ceiling heights, like um, this, it's often overlooked uh, how important the actual property is when you're looking to buy an investment property. People just look at, hey, does it cash flow? And then if it does, it gets the check mark. But um, that's fine if your business model is that simple, but in a complex, uh, you know, more challenging market like Toronto, it can't be that simple. You need to make sure that you can do things like have a laneway suite because those can drastically affect your economics and favorably. Um, but not every property can do a, uh, have a laneway suite, even if you have a laneway at the back. Uh, so it's really important to make sure that you're buying the exact right property to execute against your business plan. Okay, role of cash flow. So uh, a lot of people start out like this. And this is where I was when I first heard about real estate investing like 20 years ago. Uh, and that's a simple concept of buy low, sell high. You know, everybody understands that. Uh, let's go on to the, the next slide. But then you get a little bit of education and people are like, oh, you know, I understand the concept of cash flow because it, it's an easier concept to understand. Every month you, you make a bit of money because you know, your expenses are lower than your income and the, the delta is your cash flow. And they get into the, uh, investors get into this mindset where cash flow is king. Um, and unfortunately invest cash flow focused the detriment of anything else. And a lot of investors kind of stop their mindset growth here. So let's go on to the next slide. What I'm hoping to get people today is understanding the role of cash flow. Uh, don't get me wrong, cash flow is absolutely very important when investing and absolutely necessary, but it is part of your investment and is part of your overall returns. It's not the only return that you're getting. Uh, so let's, let's dive into this a little bit further then. You know, so one of the things that was very apparent to me when I started becoming a uh, you know, more sophisticated real estate investor, I remember talking with, uh, with a friend uh, saying, oh, you know, I got this place, it's going to cash flow, you know, 200 bucks more than, than average. That must be amazing. Um, and, you know, my friend turned to me and was basically like, so great, you're, you're going to retire now? <laughs> and it was, it was harsh criticism, but it's absolutely true. You know, doubling your cash flow oftentimes doesn't do anything. It doesn't change your life. It doesn't, it may be you're buying some more dinners or whatever happens to be, but you're not retiring over even doubling your cash flow. So what is the purpose of cash flow? When does it actually matter? What is it good for? Cash flow lets us hold for the long term, right? That's what's important. 
So money is not made on cash flow, but the money is made on mortgage pay down and appreciation of your property over time. A couple hundred bucks a month doesn't, frankly, doesn't make a damn difference to your life. For most people, it doesn't. So you need to be in there for the long term. And that's where cash flow really makes a difference. Because if you have a cash flow negative property, you can't do that for the long term. And you can't scale on that either. You don't want to go from a business of negative $200 cash flow to a business of negative $2,000 cash flow. That's not good. Um, so you do need it, but you need it to let you hold for the long term. Next slide. So uh, cash flow and in just general cap rates are lower because it's less risky. You get into major markets, New York, uh, London, Toronto, Vancouver, you know, any of these major cities, cap rates are always lower. Why? Because cap rate is a function of risk. It is telling you that the market is less risky. Therefore, I'm going to give you less cash and cash return. Um, so cash flow is less in Toronto because it's less risky. It's more diverse. There's better economy, more infrastructure investment. Next, uh, next slide. So one of the things I like to throw out is like, if you could choose between, you know, two thousand uh, dollars in cash flow and five percent appreciation, or seven percent appreciation and five hundred dollars cash flow, which actually nets you better return? So we're talking about two percent more appreciation or four times the amount of cash flow. So this is an analysis over a twenty-five year period. Uh, you know, not to dive into all the details, but basically your final equity in this property is about 4.4 million on a $1 million asset uh, today at 5%. We go to 7% and we're looking at significantly more, almost $6 million in final equity. Next slide. That nets us a one point, almost $1.5 million difference um, in those two scenarios. So this is why just a little bit more appreciation is so important. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we invest in major markets. So when do you really need cash flow? It's important, but not at the expense of all else, right? Buying in the right neighborhoods uh, where there's good infrastructure and job growth is far, far more important than eking out a little bit more cash flow. Uh, and when it really matters is at the end. Most of us have jobs where if, even if we're getting out of a thousand bucks a month, we can't reduce our income or reduce our time by a thousand bucks. So we uh, when cash flow really matters is when you're at the end and you're looking to retire and flip everything over to cash flow. So how do you get to the end? Next slide. Yeah, so getting to the end uh, for our clients usually means employing the bullish multiplier effect. So, you know, I, I'm going to go on a gloss over this pretty quickly. There, we've, we've whittled down a lot of slides, but this is a more sophisticated audience. So I don't need to teach you about uh, uh, refinancing. Uh, but the, the concept here and what I want to contrast is the idea of buying one and waiting for 25 years or 30 years or employing the multiplier effect. And the reason I want to demonstrate this is I want to show how the multiplier effect works in Toronto and how Toronto actually supports the multiplier effect. So a realistic Toronto example, let's say you have a $1.4 million triplex, uh, $6,000 in rent and $1,200 in expenses. And let's just say for all intents and purposes, it's uh, minimal or zero cash flow. Let's just say, uh, let's just say we recycle all the money back into the property. Um, so Toronto currently uh, has been sitting at anywhere from about a seven to a 10% uh, growth rate. Um, and rents, are actually about five, uh, five to 7%, uh, but I'm on the conservative side because 4% and 4% growth on expenses as well. The idea here is 
you in a higher growth market in a you know a crazy expensive market let's call it um, you have the opportunity to buy a property wait at 10 percent growth uh, you only need to wait about two and a half years before you've built up enough equity in that property through appreciation and through mortgage pay down to refinance do an equity takeout and go buy another like property so in two and a half years, you can actually go one to two. And then another two, two and a half years, you can go two to four. In another two and a half years, you can go four to eight. Then what we do, uh, the volition approach, is to wait until we hit about 50% loan to value, and then we start divesting. So that takes about four years uh, to get to 50% loan to value, and then we sell off half of a portfolio and pay off the mortgages of their half. So let's see what that looks like. So this is the power of the multiple effect, specifically in Toronto. But again, this will work. Uh, it's an extensible approach, and you can use this type of framework and thinking to other markets as well, other crazy expensive markets. Simple approach. Imagine that you bought one, you waited 30 years, and a 10% growth, let's just say that's a, that was sustained. Um, you would end up with one property in 30 years that was worth about $17.5 You'd have about uh, $19,400 in rent. Your expenses would be $3,900, and you'd have about... 15,500 in cash flow for about 186,000 of, of uh, positive cash flow annually in 30 years. So the, let's let's look at the volition approach where you know we've grown our portfolio from one to two, two to four, four to eight, and then we waited four years and then we sold off half. We left with four. Each one of those. Uh, oh, so the overall, this takes 11 and a half years to do instead of 30 years. So each one of those properties is worth three million. So you have a twelve million dollar portfolio. Rents are ninety four hundred. So that's thirty seven thousand six hundred uh, across the four properties. Expenses is about seventy six hundred across those four properties. Again, zero mortgage because you paid them off, and that means thirty thousand dollars of positive cash flow. So annually, three hundred sixty thousand dollars of positive cash flow. We have two times the cash flow, and we've achieved that in one third the time. This is the, the reason we, we invest in these types of markets. In slower growth, smaller markets, you don't have that opportunity because you don't have that type of growth. Uh, you might have better cash flow, you have better cash on cash. Um, you would actually need to scale your property uh, or sorry, scale your portfolio. If you made 200 bucks positive cash flow or something like that, in order for me to make you know this type of this type of money, I'd have to scale my portfolio to have 50 of those properties or 100 or something, something to that effect. So all to illustrate the point of how to invest in Toronto um, and how to employ the multiplier effect to maximize your return and minimize the amount of time it takes you to get to this point. Cool? Great. Okay. So then it now begs the question, what do I buy? So in Toronto, you've got the pre-construction condo, right? Um, so I won't go through all of this, but generally speaking, you know, you know what pre-construction condos are. Um, they're great in some regards. They're not great in other regards. Um, generally speaking, you know, a favorable deposit structure, it solves some short-term mortgage qualification problems. Uh, no headache because there's literally nothing, just a piece of paper. Um, but uh, you can't get rent in the short term. So condo. 
regular condo, resale condo um, in Toronto, an entry level condo will be 150,000. Um, again, you can in downtown Toronto, you'll get the, the best tenant profile. It's not quite the same in uh, headache wise, because even though you've got a great tenant, you actually have a, man a unit you have to manage now. Um, so it is, we recognize a, uh, the entry point for a lot of people. Uh, we also recognize that we want, our goal though is to get to land. So we often use condos and or pre-construction condos as a stepping stone to bigger and better things. Now, what are those bigger and better things? It's getting to land. It's getting to ground oriented units. The land is, what, is what's valuable, not the box in the sky, right? So an entry-level duplex or triplex um, in Toronto, or in Ontario specifically, we call duplexes uh, when there's two units. I know in other areas, uh, duplexes can be you know, uh, you know, side by side. So it's like a two half duplexes. So when I'm talking about duplexes, I'm talking about two units in one building or triplex is three units in one building. Uh, this is our most basic asset if you want to buy a house you want to own land um you know you could still you can get it in the residential neighborhoods that surround downtown toronto you can still attain a fantastic tenant profile um and this is kind of the building block to building your portfolio if you want to start stepping up into stuff that's a little more sophisticated you can buy a house um, and you can actually add that basement suite yourself. So, you know, you can, you can, you'd have to know how to do renovations or hire a good contractor, or hire a good team. Uh, but then you, the, 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 the positive here is that you actually get a little bit of the rental equity lift yourself as well. So a lot of people will do this. You, you can even employ this strategy using your personal residence. Obviously uh, a lot of people do this as a, use this as a mortgage helper, um, so because of the uh, renos and the additional unit, you have a better, uh, better cash flow for the property as well. Now we're stepping up into the big stuff. So this is what a lot of our clients do if they have the capital and mortgage qualification, because the returns are uh, far outweigh. Um, and also you can get, you can now attract the absolute best tenant profile because uh, these are literally condo, replacements, condo alternatives. Uh, the finishes are amazing. These are gorgeous apartments. Uh, they're places that I'd love to live in, right? Um, so you, you attract the absolute top tenant profile, but your short-term headache, it's a big headache. These are massive renovations. Um, you're acquiring a 1.3 to $1.5 million property and then putting anywhere from a $500,000 uh, to a, a 1.X million dollar reno uh, to, to make this into a legal luxury triplex. Um, it takes anywhere from 12 to 16 months. There's tons of approvals you have to go through. In Toronto, you have to go to the Committee of Adjustments. Um, you know, architects are involved and it's a very long drawn out process. But if you, can, if you have the wherewithal or if you've got a good team to execute on this, this is a fantastic um, type, of, uh, type of investment. Um, and then the last one is a tack-on. The reason I call it a tack-on is because you can tack it on to any one of these other ones as long as you have a laneway um, and, the, and the property supports a laneway, uh, a laneway suite. You can stick it on an entry-level uh, multi or a house in, where you've put in the basement suite or even a legal triplex or legal fourplex or legal fiveplex conversion. Um, 
this is a great way to boost cash flow on your property, but it's tricky. The reason it's great is because your land basis is zero, presumably. Presumably you're buying a property and that property, um, or you maybe you already have a property in which the, the land basis is truly zero. Uh, it costs about four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars to build one of these, but you can get anywhere from thirty-five to four thousand to forty-five hundred dollars in rent. So, if you do the math, you'll see that there's actually nothing else in the Toronto market that allows you to have that type of rent for that type of investment. Um, the tricky thing here is financing. So, banks right now. Lenders in general don't know how to finance these. They don't know how to provide the construction financing for it. They don't know how to help you refinance afterward to get the equity back out. Um, it's a that's where it's tough. Lenders are catching up, but they're still at least six to twelve months away from this being mainstream. Uh, that said, it's probably going to take you that long to build one of these things anyway. It takes about 12 months, uh, six months of the planning process and six months for the build. Um, but the idea here is that you want to have foresight. So now that we're considering laneway suites and laneway suites are a fantastic way to invest, we need to have the foresight to be thinking about buying land for laneway, uh, laneway housing potential, uh, whether or not you're going to do it right away or not. That makes sense. So, what do I buy? That's the question we always get. The answer is it depends. One size does not fit all. If you have all the money in the world, then we would say, yeah, let's go for a legal luxury triplex conversion or legal luxury fourplex conversion or even a fiveplex conversion, um, and let's go build that laneway suite. Um, so, you know, we could be buying something in the 1.6 to 1.8 range, uh, putting 1.5 million dollars of rentals in, and turning this into a four million dollar plus. Um, a property that, you know, qualifying for a mortgage now, you're definitely not into residential financing anymore. You're into probably convert uh, commercial financing on the refi, um, higher rates and all the other stuff that comes along with commercial financing. But even after you refinance that asset, take out a bunch of that equity, you're still having a cash flow positive asset. Uh, and, and you've created a, huge, a whole bunch of uh, equity left as well. So. Uh, and then conversely, you know, if you only have, it's funny I say only, but only have about $350,000 uh, to invest, uh, we would probably get you into a $1.2 to $1.4 million um, triplex. Cool. So yeah, I, what we want to, uh, uh, yep, so go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, let's dive into the case studies. So yeah, let's do this. Like how we apply this in Toronto. Uh, so the first one is a fourplex. And kind of expensive to, to be to be frank. It doesn't have to be this. Uh, I'd say that triplexes can start as low as like one to one one within the city. Uh, and then you can get up into properties like this, which are turnkey fourplexes. Uh, this was close to one nine, um, and, but it, it works out and it works out very well. So uh, next slide, please. Some pretty pictures. This is basically, this was our first HGTV fe feature, so. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but go back to the transit slide. Like this is something that was very important to us. I think uh, we, we didn't call it out, but specifically we don't want to be any more than about one kilometer away 
from major transit. This is 850 meters. This is the kind of analysis we do on any property that we're looking to purchase. So 10 minute walk. So that fits our, our demographic. It fits what we're looking for uh, in terms of public transit access. So next slide then. So these are our monthly rents, and I'd say they're a bit conservative, uh, especially now because this this property was uh, right in the middle of COVID uh, when our client closed on this one. Uh, so these were COVID rents at the time, so they're they're improved from here. But you can look anywhere between nine and ten thousand uh, dollars in rent on a place like this. Uh, mortgage payment. This was done at two point four five. So, you know, if you want, if you want to age where this was, obviously interest rates are considerably better now. Uh, but even with the lower rents and higher interest rates, uh, we were looking at about 1600 in cash flow on a turnkey property. Like you buy this, you just move people in, you're done. Yeah. So these do exist in the city. Um, very hard to find, but they, they do exist. And it's what we, we specialize in. And uh, this, this was our clients. We helped them buy this property uh, about four years ago. Um, and then she ended up wanting to move out of the city. So she asked us to, to list this. And uh, we found the buyer too. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we have a- This is uh, all done off market. Yeah, um, yeah this is know, a pocket we, listing. Yeah, this is open. Cool. All right. Uh, okay. Anyway, just more numbers, more analysis. You guys are just <laughs> yeah. enough to know what these are. So, uh, but the next one. So finding the highest and best use to maximize your ROI. So this is a little bit of what I was talking about before. So it's hard to invest in Toronto. Like this, the previous example, unique, <laughs> I'd say, uh, you know, to find $2,000 of positive cash flow, uh, they do exist. We do help our clients find them, uh, but they are far and few between. Um, so, but generally speaking, cash flow is not quite as high as they are in smaller city centers where, where stuff is cheaper. Everyone knows that. Um, we've talked about that. We've talked about the reasons why that that's the case throughout this presentation. Um, so, you know, with limited cash flow, um, how do we do better? So laneway suites are the answer. So the challenges of laneway suite conversions, like this is not for the faint of heart. Like this is not a simple process. Um, you've got to, you have to uh, adhere to a lot of municipal bylaws and fire codes. You need to be a certain distance from fire hydrants. Um, you have to have certain setbacks. Um, you know, from, from the, the rear laneway, uh, you have to understand things like angled planes and it's, it's extremely, extremely complicated and you need a good advisory team to help you, uh, navigate this. Um, so, you know, with, with, um, with Toronto pushing through a municipal bylaw, allowing laneway suites to be built as of right, without having to go to the community of adjustments and without having to go to OMB or T-Lab, um, now there's a huge focus on laneway suites. And so you're, you're now paying a premium on lots that, that, that um, are suitable for laneway suite conversions. Um, stuff's really expensive right now. Um, the, cost, the cost of construction has gone up considerably as well. So, um, so, that's, so that's, that's one of the things we want to call out. Is it worth it? We do think so. So this is an example of a, of a property uh, one of our clients bought. Um, it was 1.5 million. Uh, and the idea is we're going to turn into a legal luxury triplex plus a laneway conversion. 1.5 million, uh, $300,000 down payment plus 60 in closing costs. Uh, we, we've got these crazy ass uh, land transfer taxes here in Toronto that amount to almost 60,000 on this purchase. Um, and this was about a $1 million reno. 
So you turn it into a triplex. Um, the second floor, third floor on the main house, uh, three bedroom, two bath would rent for 3,500. The main floor is a two bedroom, two bath rent for 2,700. And the basement, uh, two bedroom, two bath, we could rent for 2,200. And the laneway, uh, we could rent for three, uh, which is a three bedroom, two bath, we could rent for about 4,000. For, so your rents are about 12,400. Um, with mortgage, and I referred to this earlier, um, you may want to consider if your own mortgage qualification uh, doesn't allow you to get these types of mortgages, um, you may want to consider commercial, uh, switching over to commercial. Um, so we, in this case, uh, the exit was a refi using a commercial mortgage uh, Slightly higher rates, uh, three and a half percent, thirty-year amortization still on the on the commercial ends up being about a nine thousand dollar mortgage. Um, after increased property taxes, um, hydro is pushed onto the tenants, so these are separately metered. Um, so just just uh, water and waste is two hundred dollars. Water two hundred dollars. Waste is about four hundred dollars. And insurance, uh, insurance is about three hundred bucks. So this is a positive cash flow property by about $2,100. Um, but this is about a 16 month project as well um, and very massive project. So let's get into the, the summary of the financials. As I mentioned, $1.5 million uh, purchase price, $300,000 down payment, which means the mortgage, initial 80% loan to value residential mortgage, 80%. Um, was a $1.2 million mortgage. Closing costs and land transfer tax was $60,000 and your renovation was about a million dollar budget and it, it was 16 months. So you, over the course of 16 months, carrying this $1.2 million mortgage and the other uh, uh, expenses is about a $90,000 carry cost. So if you add up all of, all of uh, what it got invested in this project, it was $1.45 million of capital because uh, this client didn't actually, he didn't finance the reno. He, he, he financed the reno in cash. Um, the ARV, the after repair value of this property um, was about 2.9 million. Really that's super conservative. Uh, this is easily a, a $3 million plus, um, low, low $3 million uh, plus um, ARV. But um, for the purposes of the, of the mortgage, it was $2.9 million appraisal and they took a 70%, uh, roughly about 70% uh, loan to value. Um, that's, you probably, as you probably know, that's not how commercial uh, financing works. I'm, I'm glossing over it, but more specifically, it was on an income approach using DCR. I think the DCR was probably around 1.15 or 1.18. Um, so that's how they got to uh, max mortgage qualification um, and um, $2 million uh, on a commercial mortgage. But they got an $840,000 equity takeout. So it largely almost covered the cost of the renos, meaning that the net invested capital was about $600,000 for this project um, for an asset that was worth about uh, over 3 million. So this is, you know, this is how you actually take your money and make it go much, much further. Um, if it's higher price tag, it's more dollars, um, but even though, if it, even though it's maybe two or three X um, the, the amount of capital for than a, than a regular project, um, you're not getting the same ROI. You actually get a higher ROI 
so that your, your ROI is actually growing exponentially. It's not just growing in a linear fashion. Um, so, you know, if, if, if we, if we estimate uh, ROIs for regular uh, turnkey triplexes at, you know, roughly 30%, um, assuming a 5% growth rate, uh, these far outpace that uh, into the, 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 the 50, 60, 70% um, annualized returns. So uh I see Dave popping back up, which means I'm out of time, over time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, just the last thing. Um, so uh, if you found this interesting, um, you have an opportunity to reach out to us uh, and, and link up with us and sign up for a, a complimentary advisory session. Um, you know, reach out to us um, at uh, info at bullshitprop.com to schedule something with us. Um, if you specifically are interested in Toronto, um, that is where our expertise lies. Um, and uh, if you are so inclined, we have, we're doing our next meetup. We run the largest um, real estate investor meetup in Toronto with over 3,100 members. Um, and we're meeting up in person for the first time next week. Uh, first time in a year and a half. Uh, I've not been presenting. 3,100 of us. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not 3,100 of us. We're, uh, you would normally, for normal meetups, we get about 100, 150. I think maybe 50 or 60 will come out, you know, a fun crowd. Um, socially distanced, of course. But uh, yeah, uh, come out, uh, RCP and come out if you're in Toronto. I think that's all we got. Fantastic. So, yeah. You guys, that was a fantastic presentation. Thank you very much. I'll give you a round of applause. You can't hear for everybody else. In, in Zoom land and whatnot. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant presentation. Thanks for, take, thanks for taking a full day thing and and condensing it for us. I know how much work that could be. And you did a great job. You did a this great is the job. fastest that we delivered this. Maybe this was yeah. like this was this was eight hours, six or eight hours of content, I think, that we really gave people a good overview of, of the big picture idea. So thank you so much for explaining. You know, even though we've got a more advanced group, it's always nice to simplify it. Like I, I call that reader's digest level. So the, the fact that you guys are really able to explain the big benefits of investing in crazy expensive markets, uh, the, the fact that you guys are able to explain the different investment classes of properties that people typically go through, starting with pre-construction condos being usually the first kick of the can, and then actual condos, and then the, the different stages, I found that to be very, very helpful, as well as different amounts required for these kind of investments, the pros, the cons, the, the categorization, the A through F <laughs> of that. So you guys, great. I really appreciate that. And folks, if you are interested, uh, go ahead, uh, Matthew, if you don't mind, put up that last screen where you got your contact oh, information. Sure. We'll include that as well. Uh, you guys, if you are in the GTA or anywhere near Toronto, make sure you... Um, you check these guys out, join their meetup. They have a fantastic group of very active real estate investors in and around the GTA. These guys don't just, you know, sell you properties. They actually do the sell the stuff themselves. So it's not just, a, you know, them looking for new people to sell properties to or get listings. This is a very, very holistic approach, which is one of the things I love about you guys is you're a full service uh, outfit like you, you name it you guys can help people out with it and it's not just theoretical you actually do this stuff you actually have the experience 
you know, doing these kind of conversions, building these laneway, you know, uh, additions and, and this kind of things, which I haven't done it, but I, I believe you 120% that it's a horrendous pain in the ass. When you've <laughs> never done it before, especially when you've never done it before. So we've done a lot of experimentation with ourselves for better or for worse. <laughs> so yeah well, thanks, thanks thanks for those kind words and yes like i i do um i do think that so we fill a niche uh specifically in the toronto market um very few people know how to invest uh in toronto and, and most people who think that they're investing they're not really investing they're gambling yeah right? they they're yeah. speculating and they're you know when you're going you know we had a lot of clients who we've had we've helped them restructure their portfolios because they started you know they were pretty sophisticated individuals but they just weren't educated on the investment front so they were buying 1.5 million dollar bungalows in willowdale that would give you three thousand dollars in rent and it was because you know they thought oh you know oh but it went up three hundred thousand dollars and you know i was cash flow negative by 1500 bucks every month but it went up three hundred thousand dollars i said yeah that's great but that's no different than going and betting on black, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's, you're, you're really uh, putting yourself at risk here. So, you know, over time we helped him uh, restructure his portfolio into a more sustainable approach, risk mitigated, uh, better tenant profile and cash flowing. Well, that's the other thing I appreciate, appreciate so much about your presentation, you guys, is how much uh, work you've put into and research you put into defining your ideal tenant profile. And like you said, so wise, you know, start there, find the right properties for those guys instead of finding the property and trying to squish the right tenant into it. That is that is absolutely uh, spot on. Very, very smart. I've had to learn that lesson a couple of, <laughs> hard way a couple of times myself. Um, so, you guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate this. And folks, if you're watching this, uh, reach out to the Volition Property people if you're interested in investing in Toronto. This is a definitely a good resource for you. And hopefully if you're not interested in investing in Toronto, but you are interested in higher price markets, this gives you a, a something to ponder and a place to get started with. So gentlemen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much. All right, Dave. Ming. Thanks, buddy. All right, you guys, take care. Thanks for being on this and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.